Tommy, did you know that Steven Spielberg actually claims that on the spaceship they were listening to a podcast, the one that E.T. arrives on? And it actually oh, really? turns out to be our podcast, haven't seen it. So, you know, the aliens like and subscribe to us. You should probably all do that too. Leave, maybe leave a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SeenItPod. And who knows, maybe E.T. will appear right in your back door. E.T., the extraterrestrial, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time, and today that person is Tommy. Tommy, we're just continuing your conquest of movies you just completely missed as a child, huh? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um... I think I might have seen this one um, when I was like a three-year-old, but I don't remember really anything other than the ending. So I'm considering this. I haven't seen it before. I was watching this uh, just now and I was like, fuck, I remember this scene. <laughs> I, I feel like you might have not seen it because if you don't remember the ending, which we'll get to, but if you don't remember the ending of, of E.T., like you didn't see the movie, you probably just saw bits and pieces of it. It could be one of those things that someone like VH1, like top 100 movie moment bullshit yeah. type things or whatever. <laughs> and it's not like the the famous bike riding scene hasn't been shown a hundred thousand times on anything regarding film. Yeah. What, one thing I'll say, I was shocked the the part, or should we just get into it? Or Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm eager to get into it because I uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Good movie. Fun fact. A child's joy, a mother's love, a friend's devotion. In this season of peace, share the magic with your family. Steven Spielberg's E.T., the extraterrestrial, from Universal Pictures, rated PG. Now playing at theaters near you, check newspapers. I just want to say off the top this feels like it not that it's an unforgotten gem because if you say et to anybody they're not thinking about entertainment tonight they're thinking about et the extraterrestrial but i do want to say when you can compared to other spielberg movies it feels like it's 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 like lost this luster that like jurassic park jaws like some of it saving private ryan some of these other big boys that he has you know any of the indiana jones that those still have that this one kind of seems to have like fallen to the back burner and see i would even say same with john williams when you think famous john williams themes you think star wars you think jaws you think harry potter you think superman et doesn't come up and this very well might be his best one too it it is up there this movie is chef's kiss like you were saying, like the John Williams score just gives you goosebumps. But I think uh, part of the problem is those other movies that you listed right there, minus Saving Private Ryan, all have sequels and all are very big franchises at this point. So it's not just the one movie. I would argue Jaws is not a 
big movie franchise i'd argue there's jaws and then they tried to make some really bad movies well out. yeah jaws jaws 3 was at least jaws 2 and 3 were at least like fucking like big movies i feel like they made like decent money uh, at the time pretty much just one of those things that like you know i feel like when you think of et now like pop culture wise it's almost exclusively brought up with like other 80s characters where like remember that radio shack commercial from the super bowl where it was like hulk hogan and other 80s guys like went into the store yeah, I feel yeah like you yeah. would have seen et in there or something like that yeah. That's kind of like where he's just kind of left in the 80s for a little bit, which sucks. <laughs> Do you want to know what ruined E.T., in my opinion? What? There's obviously the very famous Halloween scene where they're walking and you're seeing the view from E.T.'s perspective with the with the ghost costume on. And you see the Yoda walk by and it's great. John Williams puts a little hint of Yoda's theme into that little riff because him and Lucas Spielberg and Lucas are best friends and lucas said one day i'm going to put et into a star wars movie and do you want to know the star wars movie that et was put into this fan mass the phantom menace there's just a tribe of them in the senate there's just a tribe of et aliens so technically et and star wars share the same canon but i think it just ruined it for people because it's like oh that movie's so terrible Oh, come on. And then I, you just I feel see like... E.T. locked on in the corner. Obviously, right in the tiny little corner that E.T. gets there. Okay. Very noticeable on your very first watch. That <laughs> just ruined E.T. for people, right. Tommy. All right. I thought that you were being serious for a second because I was about to be like, I don't even fucking, until the internet pointed that out, I would have never have uh, noticed that E.T. was in fucking Phantom Menace. Yeah, I definitely didn't notice it as a kid in the Phantom Menace. It was definitely one of those like Twitter things and now you see pop up all the time where it's like, did you know this? <laughs> There's really funny clips of George Lucas showing Spielberg stuff from the Phantom Menace. There's like the behind the scenes of that that movie is wild because it's so raw and you just see what a clusterfuck this entire production was. And like he's pronouncing the Gungans, the Gungas to 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 Luke. It's like, dude, this is your the stuff you created and you can't even pronounce the names of these things, right? Like that you're not even are... the top nerd. <laughs> No, but it's like if directors are very technical, precise people to be successful, like you have to know all of this this stuff, all this <laughs> lingo. Okay, ET time. Tommy, are you happy that you saw this as an adult, or do you think as a, if you had seen this as a kid, you would have really been caught up in the magic of it? I, I think it's a combination that it, this is the type of movie I feel like definitely hits you differently at different ages. Like if you saw it as a kid, it would have been like, oh my God, like E.T. is awesome. Or it could have had the effect on me that uh, some of our friends have said and even other uh, fellow podcasters have told us that E.T. scared the fuck out of them when they were a kid. Oh yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where I would have fallen on that line. I mean, I used to be scared of fucking like Mars attacks when I was a little kid. So E.T. probably could have terrified me. <laughs> That's kind of surprising considering you are just a horror movie buff. You've seen uh, practically every single one. Any horror suggestion on the show is coming directly from Tommy. It is not coming from me because I, (laughs) because we're going to get to October and it's just going to be classic, 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 classic horror movie that I just have not seen before. (laughs) And on that, like my cousin Allison, when she was three, my cousins had the VHS tape of E.T. that were a couple years older than her and would just put it on and torment her. She'll never watch E.T. ever again. Shout out, Allison. Listen to this episode of the podcast. You don't have to watch the movie again, though. That's okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but no, it's one, uh, one of those things, that, like, uh, for me, even though I like Goosebumps and Scooby-Doo, I was still scared of fucking everything. Like, when I saw, like, horror movies, I used to be terrified of them. And I guess exposure therapy happened. <laughs> yeah, there. that's probably a part of it. I, for me, watching it again, like, I think the last time I saw this was a decade plus ago. I definitely saw it when I was, like, very little. Like, you know, six mm. or seven, maybe, like, out of the range where E.T. is really not that scary. 
and more in the range of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Whimsical. Look, yeah. look at the puppet, you know, that's yeah. cool. And I think as an adult and just like having much more of an appreciation of movies and how they're made and how they're structured, like I appreciate this way more now than I ever would have as a kid. Even though I remembered a lot of the stuff from a kid, like when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know this is coming. I know this is coming. The buildup and the payoff, the way it's structured is so good because the plot really doesn't get in motion until what, like halfway through the second act, really, where it's like, okay, E.T. wants to go home. Where E.T. wants to go home. E.T. gets ashy as fuck. Just put some moisturizer on that fucking alien. (laughs) Yeah, they... Maybe he wouldn't have gotten sick if, you know, he was moisturized. Just fucking I, jar of fucking uh, Vaseline or whatever. All right, Tommy, he's not that. hes not you. <laughs> Dude, I've seen your room before. There's just like three jugs of Vaseline. I, I don't want to know what you're doing with it, but... <laughs> Jesus. That's staying in. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's staying in. So, uh, yeah, hopefully my mom doesn't. <laughs> all right, uh, anyways... Or it's well, uh, I feel like as an adult watching this really for the first time, or at least the first time since I was like two years old, where I barely remember the movie. It, it still hits. I mean, like you know, there's uh, so many iconic scenes in this movie. Obviously, the two bike riding scenes. First of all, I was shocked that uh, the first bike scene was like in the middle of the movie, like the iconic like with the moon thing. Yeah, I thought that was the, I thought that was the one in the climax of the movie. But both times that those scenes happened, even though I knew they were coming, even though I knew that this was one of those iconic movie moments that you always hear of, it still gave me goosebumps. It gave me goosebumps as, as well, but both times. The entire last 20 minutes of this movie, it was I was on the edge of my seat. Like, nothing could interrupt my focus at that yeah. moment. It, it just builds up so, so well. I also really like that there's not really any, uh, like, true adversary to it. I guess you could say the G-Men but they kind of act exactly how a G-Man would act if they find out that there's an alien that arrives and they have to do their job because you're an adult and the logical thing to do is, well, we need to study this thing. We don't know what the hell it is. We don't know what it's doing to people or whatever. You know, the mom's not really an adversary. Your son's harboring something from another planet in your home. Like, what else is your reaction going to be? I, I do have to point out that it's great how D. Wallace just took fucking forever to find out uh, that E.T. was even in the house itself. Um, where it's just like everyone yeah. else knew immediately and that she just took her sweet time. Well, the, this, the, well, it had to happen, but I think this yeah, is a yeah. great example of it. And I think this is also a great example of the humor that's in E.T. And it's not, there's not really a lot of witty one-liners, but it's just a lot of humorous little moments that kind of just really keep you engaged throughout the movie. Okay, Mom, you can look now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. 
I, I love that's when the mom's taking the pictures of the kids for Halloween and they hide Drew Barrymore. They'd carry they hide E.T. as Gertie in a, in a ghost costume. They just put her shoes on his feet and just him being like, thank you. And I'm like touching the fake knife in the brother's head. Yeah. I just think that is the kind of humor that really kind of separates this from other Spielbergs and other kind of kids comedy where they need to be intentional but it feels very pure it doesn't there's not a lot of double entendres that are like I feel like a lot of times with kids movies they put really baseline like fart jokes for for kids and then they, yeah. they'll put some like graphic image for the adult where you're just like that's an innuendo this movie doesn't like cheap out on its audience it respects no. uh its audience as a whole where it's just pretty much all the jokes are very natural I mean really the first like or I guess the middle portion of this movie is just really just a hangout where they're just getting to know E.T. and like who he is. This is like a real, I know this is, this is, might be Spielberg's most personal movie that he's ever made because he claims that when his parents got divorced, that he had an imaginary alien companion and he was the friend or that could be the brother that he never had and the father he didn't feel like he had anymore. So bringing that to life for him felt very personal and when he was filming Raiders of the Lost Ark in the desert he felt very isolated from his friends and family and he started like conjuring up the image of his friend of his imaginary alien friend again and that's how the script for E.T. was born. They actually had Melissa Matheson write the script that was Harrison's Ford Harrison Ford's wife at the time. Well it's fine the the original script was um from like a failed project called Night Skies which yeah. is like pretty much aliens like attacking and like you know typical alien invasion or whatever and then there was a subplot where buddy the only friendly alien befriends an autistic child and he is abandoned on earth and then uh that script's final scene of buddy being left there was like ah maybe we just make this et instead maybe we just make this the movie instead like forget all the alien invasion stuff just keep it to this what melissa said was that because I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff before we filmed today or recorded today. She was talking about how she kind of drew a lot of inspirations from her kids because they wanted E.T. to have these regenerative powers, but they didn't want him to have to like bring people back to life. So like that feels a little too cliche. And like one of her kids said, well, what if the flowers come back? So that's why you always see the flowers that are dead kind of coming back to life. It's like, it's a really powerful image too. And, you know, at the end when he's walking on the ship, he's carrying the plant with him. Like it's a very nice symbolic measure. When she handed in the first draft, Spielberg said that he could shoot this today. He said that's how good he felt the first draft of this movie was. And it, yeah. you feel the power of this of the screenplay in this. Everything about this production is really tight. And I think it blends genres really, really well. It's totally, you know, a child sci-fi picture, but there's a lot of horror elements. Like right in the beginning when he discovers E.T. as the goblin, right? Like very spooky. Mm-hmm. And they take their time fully revealing what he looks like you see the 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 heartbeat which is supposed to imitate like vegetation because they were like he looks like a plant so like we should make him kind of make that more symbolic like you see the light you see the silhouettes of the creatures but you don't get to see them up close until um elliot sees them for the very first time yeah Um, really this like in terms of like three acts like really it's almost like a three act uh genre where the first genre is really just like the mystery and kind of the horror of it at first where it's just like oh my god where he's outside and he sees et slowly crawl up to him and you know you can easily see that go in a different direction of a movie where it's just like oh um this is where the first alien attack happens or some shit um even in other scenes of this movie where like you know when at first 
ET heals his cut. At first, you could easily see ET seeing the cut being like where the movie takes a left turn and some weird thing. But, you know, it's not that and it's more wholesome and it, it works that way. It's about the emotional beats of the characters. Yeah. And it's about the connection of Elliot and ET. You know, like you see that, that their lives kind of come together. Like, because this movie is really like this four parts it's discovering ET, hanging out with ET, the G Men arrive. Let's get them home. That's the four act. It's not a four act screenplay, but it's a four act structure basically on what of, of what happens. And when he's at school and ET opens the beer, I love that so much. That is so 1980s where adults are like, yeah, that's fine. Like imagine if they put that in a movie where an alien is drinking a beard and he's connected to this child and the child starts acting drunk at school. There'd be outrage <laughs> yeah. on the streets. It's, it's insane. <laughs> like, I, I don't like, oh, they could never film, do this today. They could never do that today. Yes, in some cases. No, in just that, like, I think sometimes humor gets becomes outdated and just jokes don't age as well. They could never pull that off today. And I'm really glad that, that we got that captured in a capsule of time. <laughs> the kid drunk scene, uh, the, you know, the little capitulation of the 80s right there. Where it's just like, okay, we'll get away yeah, up that. Yeah, there's, there's so many scenes on this where it's just like, okay. <laughs> we really do. We have to talk about um, Henry Thomas as Elliot. He really didn't go out on to have like a m- massive career at afterwards. You know, he's, a, he's been a regular actor, but him in this movie, this might be the best child acting performance ever. And Amazing. I think... it's amazing performance and the scene with where he tells et i love him where he thinks he's saying his final goodbye after et dies it's just it's incredibly powerful he must be dead because i don't know how to feel i can't feel anything anymore you've gone someplace else now believe in you all my life every day E.T. I love you Do you think that an actor as accomplished as, say, Keanu Reeves, and we noted Keanu Reeves fan, he has his lane, and he could do it too. Do you think he could deliver as emotionally powerful a moment as an eight-year-old kid did in E.T.? Seriously, like that, well, 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 that was what real. Helped, what helped was um, apparently Spielberg claimed that like the kids really didn't do acting because they filmed this movie chronologically. So the kids would uh, you know, constantly be knowing where their emotions are. And apparently they never interacted with E.T., like the, the puppet, unless an actor was in the costume. So when they were saying their final goodbyes, it was almost like the kids were actually saying their final goodbyes to E.T. itself. So that's why like they're able to ring out that performance. So that's so great. That's, and, that's a really smart and clever way to film children. Yeah, because, you know, children can get so unfocused. But Henry Thomas, he's was amazing in this movie. And it's great that he's been popping up in the last, like, five or six years um, a lot in... Um, 
uh, Netflix uh, shows and movies, especially Mike Flanagan's horror stuff, where you see him and it's like, oh my god, that's Henry Henry Thomas right there. He's like forty years old right now, and you can kind of see the pipeline a little bit of how he looks as an older person. And he still looks he still looks good. Yeah, compared yeah. compare that to Drew Barrymore. And this is not a comment on Drew Barrymore's appearance. She's always always has and always been a beautiful woman. But when she was like a toddler, she looks nothing as to what she ended up growing up to. Even when you compare her to like where she is in Scream, where it's like, oh, I see the the growth channel here. In this one, I'm I was like, I mean, that has to be Drew Barrymore. The timeline fits of the ages, yeah. but it really doesn't look like her. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> she did. She definitely looks a lot different as a little kid. Um, I'll say that much. Uh, but she was great in this movie too she had i think some of the more witty like one-liners and stuff like that of like saying like oh like that's baloney or whatever when like the um kid was like talking about like oh only kids could see et <laughs> yeah no kids kids can only see et that's right but she he she but it, it it's so organic in that too because that's how three-year-olds actually talk like i've mm-hmm. You often see a lot of times on social media when something tragic happens, you'll see people fake what their five-year-old kids are saying and talking about politics like an adult. And you're just like, I'm so yeah. proud of my kid for being, it's like your four-year-old doesn't talk like that. They, they talk in like broken sentences because they're four years old and their brain is not even 95% developed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so be, be realistic right there. Your kid's not talking about the eloquencies of uh, such and such thing. <laughs> well, uh, that's a problem with... Kenobi it's not Ewan McGregor's doing a good job but they have little Leia in Kenobi spoiler alert I, I don't care it, it's not that good but, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, if you care about spoilers then fuck <laughs> I, I don't care I don't care if yeah. you do. I'm not gonna spoil anything but she just she talks like she's in a she talks like she's an adult and it's like oh well she's Leia of course she has to talk that crazy and what it's like stop she's 10 oh my god you're just forcing her into this to sell action figures please please for the love of god just stop just it could have been anybody it could have been anybody's kid that was kidnapped but of course just bring us just bring us et instead (laughs) but of course there's 10 characters in the star wars universe and we can only focus on those 10 we can't do anything else with it yeah no no exactly um we don't want to hear about like anyone else in the star wars universe but anyways, uh, I do want to shout out one thing um, about E.T. is the voice and how the voice was even made right there. So apparently Pat Welsh did the voice of E.T. And the way she got the voice was she smoked two packs of cigarettes a day just to get into that voice of like the E.T. phone home. E.T. has smoker's voice for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The raspy ass, like a little smoker thing. And for her uh, efforts of smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, she was only paid three eighty for the whole roll. That is not worth the lung cancer acceleration that she got by smoking two packs a day, and probably had to continue smoking two packs a day for many years after. I, I, I mean, let's be real. She probably was smoking two packs a day before too. It was just like, oh, this is a thing that you can do. Okay, my voice is raspy. <laughs> well, if her voice was already that raspy, she would have just been like, oh, I was smoking two packs a day. And I kept going. She probably smoked a couple cigarettes a day and noticed that her voice would get raspier. And she's like, well, what if I, I do enjoy puffing them down? What if I just uh, push it towards the, push it, push it towards two packs a day. And then it's just an yeah. unrelenting cigarette addiction that ends <laughs> in lung cancer, probably. Most likely. Percentage wise. Um, I, mean, I know that, I know that the actress who plays her is uh, now dead. I don't know if it was from lung cancer, but um, we're about to find out. Pneumonia. But that does that does come that isn't a lung. That is a lung. That is a lung thing. 
So, so she didn't even have ET. She, didn't, she didn't even have time to develop lung cancer because her lungs were already that weak because of ET. There you go. Maybe that's ET. why it's fallen out of pop zeitgeist because it's killing people. <laughs> killing, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. If you if you want to get into the ET voice, then you better watch out. Some dangerous fucking position out there. <laughs> Um, also, I'm looking. I'm looking at the box office figure right now, and this is not adjusted for inflation. This is in 1982-1983 dollars. It had a budget of 10.5 million dollars. Had a box office draw of 792 million dollars. Like if a Marvel movie doesn't make a billion dollars, it's considered a loss because they invest 200 million dollars into the you know marketing and the production mm-hmm. and everything like that. $10 million for a almost $800 million box off this draw. This was, this past Star Wars was the highest grossing movie of all time. It is crazy to me that that is that much money. It, like, I did not realize how much of a monster hit. This movie, movie apparently played in theaters for like a whole year, like year round, which like that's unheard of. And apparently um, Spielberg for a while, according to IMDb Trivia, did not want this movie to be on home video for a while because he wanted to be like Wizard of Oz or ever, where it was just like a family adventure that you could only see in the big screen. Uh, and it didn't get on home video until like about like 88, I believe. And yeah. this was what, like 83? This is 82. I mean, a release May of eight, or June 82. Yeah, so uh, this is the 40th anniversary. We didn't mention that. The movie came out literally 40 years ago. If you're listening to this, when it comes out, June 11th is when the 40th anniversary is. So we're right there. We're releasing the podcast June 9th because that fit into our schedule best because we're not going to release a podcast on Saturday and tink any of our numbers. Exactly. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So who is the star of this movie? And I think this is an interesting one because this is the first time where like, truly the main character and the most iconic character is a puppet and that's performed by people, but there's... A lot of great wire work and the, the model is incredible like it's a really iconic movie character but he's not really performing he's more of a special effect almost yeah if, 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 if you really want to get down to it's it, not yeah. special effect but it's puppetry it's it's yep. modeled and the voice happened because the voice actress spoke to sh- shitload of cigarettes to get the part <laughs> yeah, exactly they say you gotta suck things down to get a role in hollywood tommy <laughs> well um, if you really want to get down to it, if we're not going to count et henry thomas i think would be the standout right here and also to wash out d wallace who played like the quintessential mom right here she she is the quintessential 80s mom every other 80s mom is like pales in comparison to to d wallace Exactly. Yeah. So you just like pretty much set this formula, which is why she she's gone down, down this well again. Even Spielberg has gone down this well again of movies just like E.T. Think about it, like Gremlins. Kind of, I know he produced Gremlins, but Gremlins kind of has a similar feel to this. Wait, no, it doesn't. This Before, is like heartfelt no, no, and sweet. That, the, the Gremlins the giz, is... The, giz, the gizmo stuff, it feels like a cutesy, A cutesy character that's a puppet, fine. Yeah, in terms of sto- In terms of story... Well, no, obviously, obviously, Gremlins goes a little bit darker with it, but uh, the first part of Gremlins is very much like the first part of ET, and I'd even say kind of Small Soldiers is kind of a little similar. It's very whimsical and very much in that the direction right there, where Joe Dante, being produced by Steven Spielberg, makes very similar movies to ET. Apparently, the start of the movie to get back to it, Henry Thomas. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, it, it's the greatest child performance ever. It, re- it really is. Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. talk about the practical effects the, uh, of E.T. and how they brought everything to life. We could talk about how it's just really a buddy movie between a kid and his pet alien that he has for a week. But really, he carries this movie because he is who you are primarily focused on the entire movie. Also, so Stranger Things 4 just came out. I enjoyed the fourth season. It's definitely better than two and three. But I do. I think I do this every time I watch Stranger Things where I watch season four. I watch the current season and then season one, episode one pops up and I'm like, Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. And now I'm rewatching season one of, of Stranger Things. The G-Men in that, and like there's so many E.T. parallels in that. Yeah. Se- <laughs> like it's crazy the E.T. parallels in that, like the biking scene with e- with Eleven. The, the kids on bike genre. <laughs> and, the, and they flip and they flip the butt, you know, it's very similar to E.T. flying away. Like the G-Men in this are just doing their job. The G-Men in that are like ruthless killers that... yeah do not want their secret to be uncovered by the public. They're ruthless. They make up a kid's murder to, to cover up their fuck up. There's there's so many similarities that we could do a whole podcast episode on it if we wanted to. It, 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 is, it is kind of funny that like pretty much the Duffer Brothers, like the Goonies and, um, you know, Monster Squad, E.T., pretty much are all like directly their inspirations for Stranger Things versus like so much of a homage versus at some points where it's just 11 is almost like the E.T. of the first season. Oh, she yeah, is. for sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. She's she's your fish out of water superhero kind of character. I, I do want to say the real star of this movie more than anyone is Reese's Pieces. Oh yeah, that this was huge for Reese's Pieces because Eminem yeah. turned them down. They said it was going to scare children. Yeah, and, uh, and then th- that was probably like the biggest fuck up they could have done because the the sales of Reese's Pieces because uh, ET loved them, fucking skyrocketed. So you know, I could have buried them. Biggest impact. They could have buried them while they were ahead. Also, exactly. You know, we said ten million dollar budget, which is a very well sized budget, especially for that time. There's only one instance where I see the budget impacting and it's during the last final bike chase and the cops are chasing them and there's three cars two of them are are regular old cop cars and there's just this blue like mom suburban car that they just stuck <laughs> like police lights on and i'm just like i'm like it's, uh, well, close enough <laughs> it's it's close it's close we couldn't get the third cop car Hey, uh, hey, uh, Pat, I know your voice in ET. You mind if we borrow your car too? We'll throw an extra 20 bucks on your salary. We'll, we'll, we'll throw an extra 20 bucks on your salary. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put a, like, a little fake little cop car alarm thing. It was basically whatever car was available on the lot, they just pulled it out. And it makes, because it, it, <laughs> it stood out to me. It was maybe the only like true flaw I found in this movie. Honest to God. Like the rest of it is just, it's so well built. Well, you you can kind of tell, you can kind of tell, I mean, how they had the budget a little bit, like we're in the first scene where like uh, Henry brings E.T. out of the closet. And um, by the way, that fucking closet is ginormous. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, what the fuck was this movie? They got a film in there. It's obviously going to be a big closet. (laughs) It's like the biggest closet I've ever seen. It's like, Jesus. uh, It's got to hide the extraterrestrial, Tommy. Exactly. Uh, but no, in that, in that scene, though, when he first takes uh, E.T. out of the closet, you can very much tell that, like, the camera clearly is obscuring E.T. a little bit, even though it's just a puppet. Um, 
they're just like not really showing like the full angles or anything like that. They're yeah. kind of like obscuring them a little bit right there. Well, I'm sure I'm sure as the production went along, they made modifications to the puppet. And like when it's very early on and you're still learning to it, and I'm sure uh Steven Spielberg had learned his lesson from a puppet on a very famous movie called Jaws, where the thing didn't work whatsoever to continually make modifications. And he had enough clout at this point with Indiana Jones and Jaws under his belt to be able to eh, put a little more money. We need to put a little more money into this. Where he when he was filming Jaws, it was like, you're on your own. You want to film this on the ocean? Are yeah. you out of your mind? Go for it. Fuck it. <laughs> Essentially, E.T. in many ways was kind of almost like a blank check for him because of how successful Raiders was. And that blank check was only $10 million. This gave yeah. him the power. Making $792 million off a $10 million budget gave him the power to do whatever the fuck he wanted after that. <laughs> exactly. Um, he did, uh, before going to the next section, he did uh, apparently fix, uh, put in some CGI and stuff like that into the 20th anniversary edition, which I want to shout out for um, the fact that at first Spielberg uh, decided to take out all the guns that the government agents had and replace them with walkie-talkies. <laughs> he really got influenced by George Lucas. No, it's great. You get to modify your movies. You get to realize your perfect vision. You don't get to mess with your wife's edit, your ex-wife's edit of the movie. Spielberg does this fuck up. I mean, like honestly, right now, um, the 20th anniversary edition, you can't find it. And apparently Spielberg said in an interview like 10 years ago, he said, uh, you know, there's in the future, there's going to be no more digital enhancements or no digital additions to anything uh, based on any film I direct. When people ask me which uh, ET they should look at, I always tell them, look at the original. He just says, like, I always tell people, go back to the E2 version. So he realized, I fucked this up. I shouldn't have touched my movie. George Lucas was stupid for telling me to do this probably. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't shout out George Lucas, but we know where he got inspired from. I actually have a copy of the 2002 ET. It probably the most valuable DVD I own because the rest of them are worth nothing. How much clout do you get from that? Is that None. Do you bring that up at a bars? <laughs> no, I bring it up on a podcast. <laughs> a movie podcast where people will actually appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Okay. So, Tommy, with this work as a Muppet adaptation? It's a weird question because it's kind of a Muppet movie to begin with. Well, first of all, this is actually technically, I think, our first movie to have Muppets in it. Sesame Street's in the movie. They are Muppets. And, and a Yoda costume walks by, which is obviously an homage to a you know a Muppet build. I'm going to say yes. Pretty much this movie will work as a Muppet adaptation, but I don't know if you would like flip it around to like where et is grover if you just keep et or not grover um gonzo <laughs> oh you keep e you keep you keep et you keep et and you keep because et is already a, a muppet so it doesn't yeah. matter you keep henry elliot and then everybody else is just a muppet also i want to shout out in the last scene like when they do the bike ride elliot's boys that are just there down for the bike ride like you see them like one other time early in the movie and then when the G-Men are there and they're taking E.T. away and they start with the car chase, like the, they're looking at them in the car and he's just like, meet us at the playground. And like they they take off. And I'm just like, <laughs> these boys are fucking game for anything. They have their back no matter what. You have all these law enforcement officials around the house. You're like, yeah, we're rescuing an alien. That's goddamn right. They, they pretty much like found out the alien part, like almost like immediately after they took off on their bikes. They're just like, yeah, there's an alien. Uh, come help us. They're like, cool. We got it. We good. And the government, I got, like, they can't catch, what, five kids on bikes? <laughs> How much do they suck the police in this movie? 
yeah, it, it's crazy. But I mean, you need that kind of goofiness in this movie, right? Like, would, do you really want the cops to capture the kids and get ET'd? It's just there no. to build tension. And like, that's fine because this movie is a slow buildup. It's really just a hangout movie about Henry and ET's relationship, like Henry trying to understand what ET or Elliot, I'm getting the actor's name confused, what Elliot, you know, what ET is, where he's from what E.T. likes doing, what he doesn't like doing. It doesn't bother me because at that point, you're just so entranced in the movie. You're just like, yes, get away, get away. Yes, yes. You're like pumping your fist back and forth. Yeah. It's really, there's just, there's so much magic in this movie. And I'm disappointed that this doesn't get the same kind of respect that Jaws and Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones and, well, it's like all ones. those all those Spielberg movies, they become like pretty much like staples of drive-ins at this point. Where like, you know, we saw Jaws in uh, Jurassic Park, what like two years ago at a drive-in, back and to back, awesome, back to back. It was great. It was really fun. And I don't know, you don't really see that for ET. I mean, even now, like I would have figured, like you know, the Alamo Draft House would have held like a 40th anniversary screening, but I guess Spielberg's just very protective over it. I mean, the well, I think after ET- I think after the 2002 release, he became very protective over this one. I mean, the, the most we've seen in 2018, I watched this right after I watched the movie, they made, Xfinity made a sequel, essentially. It was a short four-minute commercial with Henry Thomas coming back, and it's pretty much E.T. comes back for Christmas, and uh, Henry Thomas show, Elliot shows him, these are my kids, E.T., and everything like that, and it was just very bizarre that, like, now that's where, instead of, like, them doing, like, almost a requel, which I feel like they could have easily do in print money, it's decided to do this little commercialist cute and charming but <laughs> yeah for sure and i really respect that there's just no sequel because it, it would have been so easy man et2 et one and two et one two at first i'm it's yeah. like stunning that it doesn't exist of course he wanted to do it but it well he he, he said himself that like, they're gonna make a sequel that was um like essentially like a bad aliens or something like that come down to earth and then they have to call et to help them out oh. or something oh. and that would have been so bad and even spielberg realized that he, he scrapped it and he's like i don't want to lose like the virginity of, of the first movie so very weird way to phrase your sequel <laughs> is that what he said he said protect the virginity of your movie yeah yeah let me let me let me pull up the wikipedia sure <laughs> i just read that right but yeah spielberg decided against pursuing it uh feeling it would do nothing but rob the original of its virginity et is not about going back to the planet <laughs> That's wild that that's just a quote. Yeah, and E.T. left, and that's the story. And I think a lot of bigger franchises that are struggling right now, we, we may have mentioned them earlier, uh, should learn to just, I know you spent $4 billion, Disney, but you've at least recouped it by now. Just give it a rest. Let it breathe. Have somebody come up with an original idea like 10 years from now and then dive back into it. And I mean, I know Marvel's doing really well like the Marvel fans really love this stuff, but it, it's going to happen to Marvel at some point too, man. It just, it always does. It, it, There's things an run, point. Things run out of steam. It, it's, it's happened a little bit of Marvel because like I have some, a lot of friends that tell me like, oh, you know, after uh, Endgame, I kind of just lost interest because I felt like I, I was like, I, you're outside, one of them. Outside, I mean, I was never like, oh, Marvel, 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 but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd go see him. Like I've skipped like more than half of the new releases. Uh, that have come out. I think it's literally just the two Spider-Man movies and the and the new Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. And I wouldn't have seen Doctor Strange if Sam Raimi didn't direct it. 
Fair enough. Um, I mean, yeah, even for me with Marvel, I mean, I used to be like gun ho. I'd see them all like opening day. And I didn't see um, Shang-Chi or uh, Eternals in theaters. So I don't know. Good. I hope they struggle and like do something else, man. Like you got it's all this money. Just try something different. Like or at least break the formula of these mo- of those movies. All right, different discussion for a different podcast. Tommy, review time. Give me your ET score. Uh, so first time ever watching this, or at least first time since I was two years old. And this movie was great. I uh, was very close to tears at the end of the movie, um, which is perfect setup for it, which um, the whole movie gave me goosebumps, uh, especially during the background scenes. And the characters were great. Dee Wallace played the perfect mom ever. Um, Henry Thomas shined up the screen and E.T., of course, himself was very charming. And I loved how the first part of the movie really kept up a little mystery where you weren't sure at first, like, what is this thing in the shed? And you knew. Um, from pop culture on osmosis but i'm gonna give this movie five out of five stars really love this movie it's fucking amazing call myself a cognac and i watch the 14 fists of mccluskey what a picture what a picture good, good picture five out of five tommy i was going to give this a four out of five four and a half out of five but your speech just inspired me to give this a five out of five because I really don't have any flaws with this. It's it's literally a perfect family movie. It's a perfect kids movie. It's really sweet and it's paced so well. It's so much more charming than it has any right to be when you think about how ugly E.T. really is. What a picture. I mean, what can you really nitpick? What can you complain about this other than it being a little leaning maybe a little too hard into the horror elements for a younger audience right is there really anything else other than that yeah I, even that's not even that scary i mean like I no I, from an adult's perspective it's not scary at i all. guess if, 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 if i didn't see it as a kid so maybe my perspective would have been different <laughs> but i just i loved everything about this rewatch of this movie and uh, i'm glad you gave it a five out of five i'm glad i'm able to echo your sentiments and be able to to give this movie the respect it deserves. And I hope we get a ET renaissance in 20 in the 2020s where, where it's in theaters a little more and people are talking about it a little more online and stuff like that. It, it really is a powerful movie and it's one of Spielberg's best. It's de- I think it's on his Mount Rushmore for me. Tommy, what's your Spielberg Mount Rushmore? Top of your head. All right, top of my head. Uh, so Mount Rushmore is what, four, five? Four. Four. Way to know your Tom. way to know your landmarks, Tommy. Oh, oh, oh fuck! <laughs> um, all right, Jaws, obviously, Jurassic Park. Um, I guess I'm gonna go with this right now, and then number four. Uh, fuck, I'm like struggling to think off the top of my head what would be my number four right now. Um, Indiana so Jones. Raiders, yeah, Raiders, Raiders, right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I have to go. I think I'm gonna match three of yours. And I'm going to put Schindler's List four because the I haven't movie, seen that. So it, it's a, listen, it's a, obviously a tough watch, but Spielberg brings yeah. and he doesn't try to do his sh- schmaltzy, like, you know, heartwarming thing because that is such a serious subject matter. And I just think it's so important to tell that story and make it consumable for like a wide audience to, to see is really powerful. I would have. 
I would have probably, I would have either Raiders or Last Crusade as one I would watch way more than Schindler's List. It's not something I'm throwing on every day of the week, but it's a really powerful film. And I think it's a, mm-hmm. it's important to watch it. So I want to recognize it up there. So Jaws, E.T., Jurassic Park, and Schindler's List for me. Actually, I'm going to do a last minute change. Uh, I'm going to change Raiders from Saving Private Ryan. Really? Yeah, that, I, that movie that movie is amazing that movie rocks. i mean both of them are but obviously but yeah i mean we, you could you could pull a list of 10 spielberg movies which is just bonkers and make them out rush more out of them and everybody go okay yeah that's totally fair that's totally fair man so tommy any final words uh so any final uh final words honestly et video game worst video game of all time almost caused a complete collapse of the video game industry um Hundred percent. So fuck that game. But follow us on uh, social media, anyways. Um, Seen it pod, Twitter and Instagram, and give us five star reviews. Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening, really helps out the pod. Thanks, guys. And next week we're covering uh, Doctor Strangelove. How I stop worrying about the bomb. I'm excited. Our first Kubrick. Our first, and this is this is the first uh, Kubrick you haven't seen. I'm shocked. <laughs> no, I, I no, I I've seen. I saw this like in college, but I I like didn't pay attention to it. Um, yeah. So next week, Doctor Strangelove. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.